0: prepare yourself you're about to hear episode one from holland house radio I just have to think that my life would be a whole lot better if I had a voice like that. Uh, Maybe it would be even better for radio. So this is Holland House Radio. As I said, this is going to be podcast one. Uh, This is obviously a work in progress. Uh, So let's start off with the five W's. Who, what, when, where, and why. The who is uh, Corey Holland. Um, That's simple enough. That's me. Uh, Just an average guy who grew up in Oklahoma, still live in Oklahoma. Uh the what is I'm not sure. It's gonna be uh day by day, a week by week as I do this, trying to figure out what I want to talk about. I've got a rundown today. Hopefully my oldest son will be happy that I know to call it a rundown. So I've got a, a list of things that I'm gonna talk about today. Uh but I'll just take that week to week and kind of take it as it comes and just see. Uh and for the and then you know probably what I want to do is make it so my phone doesn't make the text sound while I'm going. So there you go. There's lesson number one. The win. Uh will just be as I have time, like everybody else out there in the world. You know, I'm busy. I have a full-time job. probably have more to do than what I can do at this point. But at this stage of my life, I'm 47 years old, uh, high blood pressure, still recovering, uh, needing an outlet. So I'm hoping that this will prove uh, selfishly for me uh, to be kind of a stress reliever. So it will just be as I have time to do it. I'll, I'll push those out there right now. Uh, with Chisholm's help, I'm going to be able to push it out on iTunes. And if you have an Android like I do, which makes this a little bit more difficult because I haven't been messing with iTunes a lot lately. But if you have an Android like I do, you can download the app that I'm using. is called Stitcher. And you can go on there and you can search Holland House Radio. And so those will be out there. I'll also attempt to push them out on links as far as on my Twitter and my my Facebook page. But uh, I'm not going to give that stuff out because I don't know if I can do it yet. So uh, the where, that's simple enough. Uh, Right here in Marlowe, Oklahoma, I'm down here in my basement. Uh, So every once in a while, you're going to hear road noise. Uh, You're going to hear maybe my dog come running down the stairs. You may hear a text on my phone if I forget to mute it like I just did. Uh, But that's where I'm at, and that's probably where I'll do most of this. Uh, I do have the ability to do some call-ins, so uh, I'm going to try to do this today. On this first one, I'm going to be calling my brother. Uh, If you're not aware, Monday was National Siblings Day. And once I looked up the definition of siblings and saw that I had one, uh, I decided maybe I'd put him on the show so why not start off you know with my first episode have my brother on the show so I'll, at the end I'm going to call him and uh, not really sure what we're going to talk about but I'm sure we'll come up with something uh, and the why I kind of touched on that already uh, I'm going to kind of use it as a as a hobby uh, most of you who know me uh, you know know that I ran for years and years uh, I'm 47 now I think I stopped running when I was 41 I uh, had pretty much done everything I wanted to do with that you know i Qualified for the Boston Marathon, ran that, uh, and then it just got to be uh, getting up at 4.30 and doing that. I just didn't have it in me anymore. So I don't know. Maybe that's something I'll go back to later on. But right now, uh, I'm an overweight, out of shape guy that's just going to be sitting down in this basement. Sounds pretty pathetic when you put it that way. Uh, But we'll be coming back in just a minute, and uh, I'll start off with my first topic, which is going to be my airing of grievances. Okay, so again, if you know me and you, and you hear me make a reference about the Arian of Grievances, you're doing a great job if you know to connect that with Seinfeld. You know, on Seinfeld, it's one of my favorite shows. Uh, I can annoy you to death by quoting it. You can give me an episode, and a lot of times I can jump right in there. Uh, I probably ought to do some better things with that part of my brain, but that's what I've stored up in there. So just a part. I don't know if it'll be a weekly thing or not, but uh, just the airing of Grievances. It's, it comes from Festivus. If you know George Costanza, that's his dad and the Feats of Strength. We're not going to be doing the Feats of Strength. I do not have an aluminum pole to do that. We're not going to wrestle, because down here in the basement it's a concrete floor. Uh, But I will do the part where it's the area of grievances. Uh, So for me, I just want to start off with something that I've just noticed here lately. It's just really gotten on my nerves, and I'm assuming it's probably gotten on a lot of your nerves. What I'm hoping is that if some of you are offenders in these areas, I might at least give you something to think about. But what I'm going to talk about is cell phones. Uh, Now, I'm not one of those old guys that's, Oh, I still want to be doing things on paper, and I still, you know, want my phone attached to the wall. Although there are times that I would like to not be as available to people. That's one of the downfalls. You know, I was explaining to Walker, my youngest son, you know, when I was growing up, uh, if you were out, you were just out, and the best that your parents could do is maybe call someone's house and say, "Hey, is he over there? Have you seen him?" And try to get a chain like that going. But if you were out, you were out. Uh, well, now, you know, young people today, they don't have that excuse because like, well, I called your cell phone, I text you, how come you didn't answer me? And, you know, as an as an adult, there's some times that I resent that. I, I do not like being that available. Um, and I think it's one of the causes, you know, for a lot of, uh, I'll say Americans, but I'm assuming it's a worldwide issue where they have this kind of technology. I think it's one of those contributors to stress because we're never disconnected. You know, we're never uh, just just there, just relaxing, uh, and I'm one of the world's worst, so I'm preaching to the choir in that regard, but, not, but what I want to talk about right now is just, just the stupidity, and I've had this happen a couple of times, and it just blows my mind. What I would like for us to do, I don't know if I need to get a petition signed, um, or maybe if we can get a, an executive order from the president, but can we at least stop answering our phone in some odd places? For example, can we stop answering our phone when we're at a movie? I mean, the texting bothers me enough because you know at, at the start, the movie industry has done a great job producing these ads about how rude it is, you know, to have the the light shining back at your face because everybody sitting behind you can see it and it's all lit up, uh, and that annoys me to death. Uh, and it's really and my wife will tell you a lot of times I'll move or I'll we'll sit way too close to the front because I don't want to experience that. Just like I went and saw the movie The Shack and you know, I'd been really looking forward to that, and we had to sit we wound up sitting I think it was the front row. Uh, which is not good for your neck, but at least I didn't have anybody in front of me texting. But but the answering of the phone during the movie just blows my mind. And I had this happen where someone's in a movie and it's like, R- "Hello, yeah, no, no, it's okay. Yeah, I'm at the movies. I'm, s- oh, I'm seeing whatever it is. Yeah, you know what it is. So and so's in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty. Good. And they're having this conversation at the movies. Now this is where I would tell you that if God had made me about six foot eight, and about two sixty. There would be lots of assaults that would take place, but because, as I said, I'm, a, I'm fat, I'm out of shape, uh, always been kind of more of a skinny guy, and I'm, I'm not really violent by nature, I just sit there and stew about it. And it just really makes me mad. Uh, so, if you think that's bad, I've even seen people answer their phone at, like, graduations. I've been around when people have answered their phone at a wedding, and... Believe it or not, I've been around when people have answered their phone at a funeral. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, unless you're, I don't know, a surgeon of some kind and you're on call and there's, there's some life on the other end, that I mean, you have to get there. Are we really that important that we're having to answer our phone, you know, at the movie, at graduation, at a wedding, at a funeral? I mean, do we at least not have enough respect for the deceased that we're not going to answer the phone at a funeral. Uh, I don't know. Uh, So as far as my area of grievances, that's my area of grievances right now. And I I don't know. Think about it. Uh, Give me some ideas. What can I do? I've wanted to look online for a jammer. Maybe I could have my pocket and I could push it and it would block. I think those are illegal. Uh, I don't know. But I can tell you what it does. It makes me pick weird times to go to the movies. Uh, It makes it... Very difficult when I'm in a situation like at a wedding or at church or at a funeral to not say something. Uh, and I just have a feeling it's one of these days I'm going to I'm gonna lose it. And I'm probably going to regret it because, you know, none of us are at our best when we lose our temper. So I just need your help. So if we can get together, maybe get a committee together, uh, let's get a petition going, let's get the president to, I don't know, do an executive order, I mean something. I just need your help. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. recognized yet that is uh oh yeah if you can think about the group uh i don't know how many of you can remember the, the group name you probably know the context of the song though that's uh from a from a great great show uh ferris bueller's day off and matthew broderick uh is that kid you know who's come up with some clever way of skipping school uh, and that song uh, is played at the end you know when the principal gets on the bus and he's just had that day where he's ragged out an interesting thing about matthew broderick that you may or may not know I'm a huge fan of Breaking Bad. If you have not watched the series Breaking Bad, you need to watch it. A lot of you are gonna say, well, I couldn't get through the first season or whatever. Give it a chance. I think it's one of the greatest television shows ever made. It's so well done, so well thought out. They developed the characters. Now I sound like I'm an artsy kind of guy, but they really developed the characters. It's a great thing. But the interesting thing about Matthew Broderick is he was the original choice to be Walt, uh, the dad and I won't go into all of that in case you haven't seen it but uh you know one of the main characters is is Walt uh who's the the dad who kind of gets started down this dark road and the original choice for that was Matthew Broderick and I just really have a hard time seeing Matthew Broderick doing it because Brian Cranston did such a great job with that uh but anyway so that uh, the song is oh yeah the group is actually called Yellow I don't know if you knew that or not and if you're going to be around me and if you're going to maybe uh, listen to some more of these uh, if I'm lucky enough to have a few people listen to it you're probably gonna hear a lot of 80s stuff so if you don't like 80s stuff I apologize but that's kind of my bread and butter that's what I like uh, I just want to do a little segment here uh, and you know I don't really know how the show is going to go up and down uh, positive negative we'll see but uh, you know I think it would be a mistake to not talk about maybe some things that are happening on the world level so from a world view uh, segment um, I heard a word that I hadn't heard of uh, yesterday and it's called Moab uh but it's it's the you know it's the largest non-nuclear bomb that we have in our arsenal and uh from the limited things that I've been able to read on it right now I know you know that we dropped one of these yesterday in Afghanistan um uh trying to hit and target uh the ISIS tunnels you know the ISIS the terrorist group in their tunnels you know this week we or I guess the last week we also had shot Missiles into Syria, uh, in response to what we, you know, we were told that some poison gas things had taken place there. Uh, and you know, when you start hearing these headlines, you start seeing these things, you just come away, you know, with this overwhelming feeling, you know, that the world is a dark and dangerous place. Uh, in many ways, it is. Uh, and the challenge for us uh, in our country is, uh, I think, most Americans believe uh, that we have a role to play there, uh, whatever that may be, and we can get in the weeds and debate on what we should or shouldn't be doing, but I think most people feel like uh, the United States has at least some role to play uh, on the world stage uh, in dealing with some of these very tough issues. But I will tell you, you know, when I start looking at these things, it's it's never as simple uh, sometimes as as it's portrayed. It's, and when I say that, I mean, this. you know, well, this is going on in the Middle East and, and we need to do something, you know, and and, uh, and it's just that. Uh, there's, there's so much more that's going on and so much more that sometimes doesn't get talked about. Uh, you know, and so for me, you know, my heart uh, aches for those that are dying needlessly, say in, in, the, in the continent of Africa. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, this one gets overlooked, uh, when it becomes to foreign policy and we've, we've done some things. I know President Clinton and some other presidents have done some things, uh, in Africa. Uh, but the reality is there's a, there's a lot of, if we're going to call it darkness, there's a lot of, uh, things going on in Africa uh, that sometimes just gets overlooked uh, for whatever reason, Uh, you know, simple enough, you know, there's 5 million people dying every year due to hunger in Africa. I mean, just, just hunger, not talking about the violence or whatever, but 5 million people dying uh, every year in Africa due to hunger. That's, that's amazing. Uh, You know, the headlines oftentimes are going to focus on the Middle East, uh, but there were actually more recorded killings of Christians Due to their faith in Nigeria in 2015, than the rest of the world put together. Think about that. More Christians killed in Nigeria than the rest of the world put together. And I think that goes counter to what we we get sometimes. You know, out of the 50 countries, um, uh, the six where most Christians were killed directly because of their faith uh, were in sub Saharan Africa, Nigeria, Central Africa Republic, Chad the Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, Cameroon. Um, so in terms, you know, at least uh, maybe not in what we get to see and to the degree, but in terms of, you know, the number, the persecution of Christians in this region is actually much greater than what's happening in the Middle East. And I just point that out because, you know, there's just not a lot of reporting on that, or at least uh, the, the areas that I look at and things that I read to try to stay informed. And I don't I don't just do one station uh do the station that, you know, I think kind of has the same kind of views politically as I do, but I also do the other ones because I think it's a mistake to not do so. You know, I used to tell, when I was principal, I'd tell my teachers, you know, your critics will sometimes tell you the things that your friends are too polite to tell you. Um, And I think that's something we have to keep in mind. You know, sometimes if you're always getting it from the same news cycle because you're like-minded, they may gloss over some things that maybe they should be critical about, or they may ignore them altogether. Uh, and I think we always need that balance, but uh, I just think that's interesting. You know, it's, it is a dark and dangerous world out there. Uh, but what we have to be careful about is letting the instant microwave news cycle we have fool us. You know, if you study history, you know the time that we live in right now is some of the most peaceful times in recorded history. Uh, and that really runs counter to what we think about. But, I mean, in reality, uh, the, in terms of men, women, and children you know, not being killed or, or whatever – now is some of the most peaceful times in history, even though it doesn't feel that way. Uh, we always have to remember news is about things that happen, not things that don't happen. You know, News is about things that happen, not things that don't happen. So you know, if I can restate it this way, and, and probably to make it more accurate, real news is how I should say it. You know, real news is about things that happen, not things that don't happen. Uh, you know, I was reading an article by Steven uh, Pinker and Andrew Mack on Slate.com. You know, and and they posed it this way. They said, you know, when's the last time you saw a reporter stand outside of a school and say, you know, it, it's another day here at ABC ele- Elementary, and it was it was a peaceful day and nothing happened. You know, back to you. I mean, that's that's not how news works. Uh, so we have to be very careful about letting the news cycle take away our ability, you know, to reason. Um, now, I'm going to kind of end up with this, and and hold your breath because you're probably not going to hear me uh, quote Bill Clinton. President Bill Clinton, uh, in a positive way, very often, uh, and maybe sometimes I might take a cheap shot, but uh, he had a quote uh, that I found, and, and it's true. You know, he said, "You know, follow the trend lines, not the headlines." You know, follow the trend lines, not the headlines. And so, when someone around you is saying the world is the most, you know, it's its most violent time in history, uh, maybe suggest that they dig a little deeper. Uh, the headlines make us feel that way. know when you look at these studies and 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 you look at the data you know the trend lines show that's not really the case Um, you know right now is some of the most peaceful time on the planet globally that we've ever had in recorded history Uh, now let me caveat that by saying that by saying this you know even one loss of life whether it's to disease to violence or to an accident is one life too many you know just one loss Uh, You know, we should mourn all lives that are lost because that life has an eternal soul. You know, and those of us who are professing Christians and believe that way, you know, we have a Savior that died, you know, for those, for each and every life. And and, and those lives, uh, you know, the the plan is that they would have an eternal home with Him, you know, if they choose to have that relationship. Um, And so, uh, you know, we can watch the news cycle, we can read the news, and we can say, oh, my gosh, this is the worst it's ever ever been. But I would, I would push back on that and say, you know, it's bad and, and these things that are going on are terrible and they need to be addressed. But to say it's the worst it's ever been, you know, I think there's a lot of people in history that would uh, have a good cause to argue, you know, against that. Uh, in the next segment, I'm going to look locally, you know, here in Oklahoma. And uh, I guess I'll try to lift the heavy tone that I just set up for myself. That's probably a rookie mistake to maybe put something a little heavy out there to start with. Uh, But I'll I'll learn from that. But when we come back on the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on at the Oklahoma State budget. We'll be back in just a minute. gonna get myself in any trouble it's probably gonna be on a segment like this because it's 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 very difficult to talk about uh, something that you know maybe other people uh, that you really respect um, and people that you consider friends may listen to and maybe take a little bit of offense to but uh, you know uh, I'm just gonna try to this is just my perspective and and what I probably should have let off with on the on the podcast is I will admit uh, and openly uh, except the fact that I could be wrong. you know. I think that's part of what's missing in the in the dialogue, especially in the political dialogue, is too many people come to the table and they're convinced they are 100% correct. Um, and so when you come to the table thinking you're 100% correct on any issue, I don't care if it's about a political issue or if it's about something that's going on at work or something that's going on in your marriage, something that's going on with your kids, and you're just you're convinced I'm 100% correct and, and there's no way in the world I could be wrong or maybe have seen something uh, differently or, or whatever. Um, I just think it makes it really hard to further the dialogue. So let me be the first to admit that anything and everything that I say, I, I take with a grain of salt because I understand I don't know everything. I don't know all the circumstances. All I have is the you know whatever information that I can gather, uh, my life experiences that lead me a certain beliefs so if I ever state something completely emphatically and I forget to caveat it that way just keep that in mind you know I could be wrong there's probably some other ways to explain some of these things but I'm just talking about from my perspective so with that I want to talk a little bit about the Oklahoma State budget I don't know if you're aware and again this is the third year the fourth year in a row <laughs> uh, where well, we have an 800 you know million dollar deficit close to a billion dollar deficit and it really starts to, uh, you know, who do you listen to about what that deficit is and how does it get there? Uh, I, I rely a lot on what, uh, our state treasurer, Ken Miller puts out there, number one, because he has that background. He has a finance background. And he's very gifted in that. Uh, I also consider him to be someone who uh, is a moderate. Um, and I'll admit I know him personally and, and, uh, I do text him, um, encouragement every now and again and, and thanks for the for the job that he does because I, th- I know it's a tough job but uh, so i rely on him a lot and i rely on you know other things that i can read but what a mess what an absolute mess when you talk about the oklahoma state budget i mean i'm disappointed all the way around all the way around i mean third or fourth year in a row you know uh when it first started happening what we heard from the governor's office Uh, You know herself, right-sizing government, make uh, government smarter, more efficient, more effective. I mean, that's what I heard her say on the House floor when I was up there, and she's giving her state of the state, you know, address. Uh, I know when the first time we had a big hole, uh, Preston Dorflinger, who you'll probably find if I do very many of these episodes, I'm not a huge fan of his. uh, But you know, one of the things that he said is this is a wonderful opportunity. You know, we're in this massive hole, and what a wonderful opportunity. Uh, You know, because we can right-size government. Uh, And, you know, maybe he has a valid reason for saying that. I don't know. But uh, this is a huge mess. And and, and I am absolutely disappointed that we find ourselves here again with uh, state services, uh, you know, on the chopping block again. Um, And you've got people who, and, you know, the the one, obviously, and I'll go ahead and put this out here because I want to try to be as transparent as I can. Obviously, education is the one that I focus on the most. Uh, but right up there with education is mental health, which may surprise some of you uh, that, you know, I put such a priority on that. But, you know, again, for full disclosure, that's my wife's background, so I get a little bit more insight on that. But whether it's education uh, or what we're doing with mental health or our prison situation where our staffing ratios as far as the guards to the prisoners are some of the worst in the nation, whether it's the Department of DHS where... Case loads for our workers are some of the worst in the nation uh, I mean we can just go on and on you know on these kind of things so it's not just it's just not going to be education which I might tend to talk about a lot more because that's what I'm dealing with it's, it's a lot of these state services and I don't know I mean it seems to me we've got a lot of people up there uh, and we've got some think tanks think tank groups like the OCPA or whatever and, and, and they have this I don't know if we want to call it a Dillard's appetite but they want it done not even on a Walmart budget, they want it done on like a Dollar General budget, and it's it's just it's sometimes it's just comical uh, to think about you know what these expectations are now. Every tax dollar that any of these entities get should be uh, taken uh, very seriously and used appropriately because you know government is not a business. So any tax dollar it has is a tax dollar it's taken from a citizen in one form or another. Now, the funny thing to me is we'll argue again we'll get into semantics you know they're not going to raise taxes because I mean I'm, I'm seeing that and there's still some members up there that I talk to quite a bit and oh we're not going to raise taxes I'm not going to raise taxes but they'll sure raise those fees I mean Lord help us they'll raise those fees left and right and somehow in their mind that's different and that's just that's hysterical to me that that they make that kind of a that kind of a justification in their head but that's what happens but you know but let me start off by saying I'm to blame I am to blame for this mess. Corey Holland is to blame for the current mess. Uh, and and at least to some degree, um, you know, I used to serve up there. Um, I try to talk about that less and less because that's in the past and, um, it's not really a big part of who I am anymore. I mean, that was something that I did. Uh, but you know, I was up there and I didn't accomplish nearly enough, you know, to help with this dumpster fire that we find ourselves in right now. In fact, I probably contributed to it. Uh, you know, not by necessarily voting to cut this or increase that, uh, but I did it in the way that probably bothers me even more. You know, I did it because I wasn't vocal enough. I didn't speak out enough. You know, and if you really know me, you know, that, that might be a little bit of a shocker because I'm not one who um, typically will hold back my opinion on things. Um, but, you know, when I was up there, uh, in a lot of ways, I wasn't the same person that I am, whether it was when I was a teacher or a coach. Uh, or whether it's what I'm doing now at CASH, at uh, public schools, um, that place is like another planet. When I say that place, I'm talking about the capital in Oklahoma City. I mean, it, you know, and it, when you get up there, I mean, it's, at least for me, this small town, boy, I come from a town of 5,000. Uh, it, it's just a different kind of a place. I really didn't know how to take it. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, I call it alien behavior. And so if if you're just a regular person or regular folk you know it kind of throws you for a leap or at least it did me this is what I mean you know like I said I come from southwest Oklahoma Uh, my parents are very traditional uh, I would say very old school you know if you're from the 80s or whatever you probably know what that means but very old school Uh, so let me maybe put some parameters on what I mean by that so old school thinking is you know you use something you borrow something put it back you know my dad would say you know if you borrow something not only put it back, but put it back better than it was when you borrowed it. So like if I borrowed somebody's car, I'm not only just going to bring it back, I'm going to bring it back you know, with gas in it and probably clean the windshield off and maybe get out some of the trash. Or if I borrow a, a shovel, I'm going to bring it back, but I'm going to have washed it off and make sure it's clean. i will bring it back better than what it was. Uh, that's that's some old school thinking. I mean, if you tell someone you're going to be there at 7, be there five minutes early. Don't get there after 7. Don't get there right on time. Be there a little bit early. That's old school thinking you know, and and my dad, he wouldn't art necessarily always articulate it this way, but I always knew, I mean, your reputation is what you make of it by how you treat others, um, and so many people, you know, have, have lost that concept, you know, and I know Mr. Hans, you know, or Jed Hans uh, the other day was saying something about, you know, perception is reality, and, and that's kind of how your your reputation works, I mean. And so, you know, my reputation is important to me. And so how I do things and how people perceive me is very important to me. And so when you're up there, I mean, at the Capitol, that's different. You know, in my house, uh, winning and being successful was very important. Uh, We were always pushed to do our best. But, you know, in reality, uh, my parents raised me that you don't step on other people to lift yourself up. You just don't do that. Uh, You treat people fair. You give them your word. And you don't break it. You tell somebody you're going to do it, then you do it. Uh, if you have to scheme or you have to cheat to accomplish something, then what you've accomplished uh, really has no value. I mean, that's old school thinking. Think how counter that is, you know, to how people think about today. But you know, if you've got to cheat or you got to uh, take advantage of people to get somewhere, then what have you really accomplished? Uh, you know, if you have an issue with someone, you go speak to them face to face and you work it out. That's old school thinking. Uh, it's better to apologize and claim fault for something that maybe you really didn't have you know everything to do with than to lose a relationship because relationships are important that's old school thinking uh so I hope you see where the problem is you know old school thinking and those kinds of qualities uh for the most part are actually used against you at the capitol. uh Many folks up there will say they'll do they'll align themselves with whomever or whatever they have to to get support for this or that. Or even for themselves um, very counter to old-school thinking uh, too many of them use their position you know th- with thoughts about what's the next step you know what they're gonna do next and they don't f- focus uh, they don't focus on the current step you know and I learned this you know the hard way early on um, and I won't get into a whole lot of this uh, but you know I had a bill uh, that I was trying to pass and um, had already been out of the house and it was gonna be really close over in the Senate and uh, I had it down to where I had two people I was, you know, speaking to about trying to support it. And one of them told me they just couldn't do it. And I always respected that. I mean, I always respect somebody. I just can't do it. Okay, thank you. You know, appreciate it. And again, because old school thinking. I, I went to you. I asked you. You told me no. Okay, good enough. Uh, but I went to another person. This person, you know, told me, oh, absolutely, I can do it. And I said, well, I'm depending on you because you're going to be the vote that puts me over. And so, you know, do you have any questions? Do you have because, Oh, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I left thinking something wasn't right it just didn't feel right but you know you have to take people on the word again old school thinking uh, and so I go over to the senate and it just happened to be that day I had a group from Marlow up there and so I said hey let's go over here they're, they're going to do this bill we can sit in the gallery and we can watch you know it's one of the bills that I'm doing and uh it's going to pass by one you know so it's going to be really it's going to be really interesting um, and the guy's not in the room who's supposed to be voting yes and so I'm texting him and I'm calling and I can't find him. I go, but I, I leave the gallery, run to his office. He's not there. They said he stepped out. Finally, get a hold of him. He says, Oh, he had to go do this thing. And I won't get into it, but he had to go do this thing. Uh, I'm like, Well, you're going to miss his phone. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to come back or whatever. He misses the thing. Anyway, it doesn't pass. So obviously, uh, I'm not happy. And I do a little check and kind of find out he had never left the building. He was back, basically just in his office uh, hiding there until the vote was over, and he came back about 15 minutes later, and he's back on the floor and started voting again. And, uh, and that was a good lesson for me right then because it was like just because someone tells you they're going to do something up there doesn't mean they're going to do it because for some of those folks, it's, all, it's about so many other things than about what I thought it would be. You know, this person gave me their word, they're going to do it, and he didn't do it. That was a huge lesson for me. And I know some of this is going to sound harsh, uh, and I don't mean to, to to describe all members this way. So I want to be careful about painting with too broad of a brush. I think that's a trap that we all fall into. But you know, I'll I'll, I'll try to explain it this way. Uh, what I'm trying to say when I, when I talk about uh, the current Oklahoma budget and it just being a mess. This is kind of how I would maybe set that up. You know, before 2004, uh, and I'm a Republican uh, at this point, but I reserve the right to change my mind. If they they stray off or whatever, but, uh, back in 2004, you know, Republicans complained about the good old boy system. You, I know you've heard that term. If you're very old at all, you've heard that term, you know, all oh, the good old boy system of the Democrats and how the good old boy system, of the Democrats and Oklahoma politics. And, you know, like Gene Stipe, he was the epitome of everything Republicans detested about politics. And by gosh, if we ever get in control up there, you know, we're going to change that because after all, you know, uh. We're the good guys. We're conservatives. Um, and I chuckle about that, at least to myself, a little bit because, you know, uh, the problems with labels is the definition that people want to attach to those. Uh, everybody kind of has their own definition of that, of what's a conservative, what's not a conservative. But but that's a whole another conversation for another podcast. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, <clears throat> we roll along. And as most Okies know, the Republicans now have not only control of the House of Representatives, Republicans have control of the Senate and both by very large majorities. Uh, in fact, you know the entire Democratic caucus in Oklahoma City, they could probably meet in a decent sized closet. There's just not that many Democrats uh, at 2030 leaking anymore. Uh, you know the Republicans even control all the state offices. So the Republicans, in a very real, real way, are the new Democrats. They control the entire state government process. Just like was the case for the hundred years prior to them, you know, to Republicans getting control, they control the whole mess. Um, and so it's not because that the control has flipped that I say that. Uh, look at what many of the Republicans are doing, not what they're saying. And that's always important. I don't care if it's politics or anybody else, you know, you can listen to what people are saying, but kind of watch what they're doing uh, and see if what they're doing, you know, matches. Uh, but here's what's happening now here's what at least what I see you know someone turns out next thing I know I read in the paper they're getting a high-paying political appointment it's I mean I could sit here and list names because I get kind of infuriated by it but you know what happened to the idea of I went and served and then I went back into the field that I had before I got there I mean what's wrong with that you know in my mind that's the way the system is designed uh, it's it's not designed that people get involved in this process and they just turn it into a lifetime career. Um, I think it works best when people go serve and then they go back to what they were doing. But if you look at what's happening now, a lot of people, you know, they're terming out, and next thing I know, here they are again. They're back in the system one way or another, and they've got some high ca- you know high paying job. And oddly enough, there are even some who aren't elected officials, but they're connected, and um, and they're getting rewarded. you know. Back in October of 2016, uh, Denise Northrup, and if you don't know her, she's the right and left hand uh, of Governor Fallon. Um, but Denise Northrup in October of last year uh, was given a newly created position as Chief Operations Officer of the Office of Management and Enterprise Services. Fascinating. By the way, uh, Northrup was replaced uh, by Chris Bench, who used to be the Speaker of the House as Secretary of State. You know, he was Secretary of State, and anyway, so now he's back there. So, anyway, it doesn't matter. But so Denise Northrop, you know, gets this high paying job. Uh, She's Fallon's friend. Everyone knows that. She's a friend. Um, And if you'll keep in mind, she was also rumored, and I'll say rumored, but people that I've talked to, I would say it's more than rumor. I think it's fact, but you know, I'll say rumored to be one of those considered for that high paying position they were creating with the T set board. Remember that? And then when the salary got out there, I mean, people blew a gasket, and then that thing all fell apart and it didn't happen. Her name was there, too. So not only was she the best candidate, uh, I guess, for the Office of Management Enterprise System, she was probably the best candidate for TSET. I I mean, that's interesting. Uh, anyway, uh, probably the thing that upsets me the most is just how that's a perfect example of what the Republicans, you know, are now doing and that's why I say the Republicans are the new Democrats. You know, I had friends who were, who were around uh, Miss Northrup more than I was. Uh, but even when I was around her, I always got this air that she saw herself as co-governor. And that may not be fair, but that's, that was my impression. Uh, she was very opinionated. She was outspoken. You know, and if you ever read any of her emails that were released during the open records request, you know, I think it's probably fair to say she was a little bit crass. Uh, And because of some of the things that were talked about in those emails, which she knows her public record, I'd say she's a little sloppy. Uh, That's just my opinion, but I I I may be way off. But I felt like, and I still feel like, my first impression of her is is reliable. Uh, My first and second, third impression of her, you know, when I was around her, uh, basically is that she wasn't giving Governor Fallon good advice. Uh, She wasn't helping Governor Fallon be a good leader. Uh, In any case, uh, Denise Northrup now has been handed this high-paying appointed job and just like senator jolly you know getting appointed to the tax commission and we're supposed to sit out here and believe blindly that denise northrup and clark jolly i'm just using those two examples i could do a lot more but those two they're the best qualified and most talented people for those jobs denise northrup clark jolly are the best most talented people for the for those jobs They got it on their merit. That's what I'm supposed to believe. So what I would say, you know, if that's the case, Lord help us. uh, Because we're in a worse mess than I thought. You know, and going back to my original point, you know, uh, Republicans, me included, prior to 2004, you know, we were wide-eyed and we believed, you know, we're not going to do the good old boy system like the Democrats. We're better than that. We're better than that. We're Republicans. We're better than that. Turns out, Republicans didn't participate in the good old boy system back in the day, not for reasons of integrity. Turns out we didn't participate because we had a lack of opportunity. Well, Republicans now have opportunity, and too many of them are leaving the integrity, you know, their integrity on the on the wayside, to seize the chance to enjoy the spoils of victory. The exact opposite of what we pledged that we wouldn't do. Is that harsh? Sure, it is. Uh, but we're all to blame legislators only have the power we give them and we and i'm talking we and i'm gonna paint with a broad brush here we voters we love 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 being told what we want to hear we love it if only we cared enough to see what they did actually matched what they said uh, if we would take the time to do that then maybe that would help us get out of the state budget mess because we'd be electing people for reasons of qualification we'd be electing people because they either did or didn't you know like someone else in that case you know didn't do what they said they were going to do we'd be electing leaders leaders who are serving because they want to serve not because it looks good on a flyer that goes out in the mail because they want to serve and do right by the state even if it's a tough vote and and i'm getting off track here a little bit but you know good reagan conservatives go back and study reagan you tell me how Reagan balanced the budget in California. Go see if he increased taxes a little bit. You know, it's just amazing how we, we take things off the table because, oh, I don't want to be considered not a Republican. You know, and when Senator, or excuse me, when Lieutenant Governor Lamb, you know, took himself off the president's, or the, excuse me. Wow, that's scary. <laughs> the president uh, took himself off the governor's cabinet because he said, you know, well, I can't be a part of this. Was, it, was that really the reason? Is that really the reason that he got off that cabinet? Because it seems to me, if you want to be a leader, you stay on that cabinet. You stay on that cabinet, and you be a voice for why we shouldn't raise taxes. Now, I disagree with him on that point. Uh, it depends on which taxes we're talking about, but I disagree with him on that point. But if you want to be a leader, Lieutenant Governor Lamb, stay on that board and put that voice out there. But that, in my opinion, that's not what it was about. It was because he didn't want to be associated with the potential of taxes increasing because it would potentially be attached to him when he runs for governor in 2018 exactly what i was saying before more concerned about future personal goals than the immediate needs for the state of oklahoma and that's probably what upsets me the most maybe this should be part of my of grievances because i'm getting myself worked up but but that's what i'm talking about so folks Before we want to blame the legislators, before we want to say it's their fault, when you're in there brushing your teeth in the morning, I hope you all do, tilt your head up from that sink and look in that mirror. Because if you are not actively participating in the process, it's your fault too. It's your fault too. And I'm not one of those people that say, I want 100% voter turnout. I don't want that. Unless 100% of the people are actively engaged in the process and learning about the thing. Too many people who vote, they do it off those little cards that come in the mail, or they do it off the ads that are on TV. I want an informed voter. You know, go to where they have the town halls, ask the tough questions, write your... It's with, with the technology we have today, there's no reason you can't call or email your legislator and, and develop that personal conversation with them. So that's the people that I want to go vote. I want 100% of informed voters to go vote, absolutely. I think if we can ever get to that point, I think we'll see some things change. But until then, until people are held accountable for the things they do or they don't do, we're just as much to blame for this mess as they are. So the dumpster fire, maybe they threw the trash in there, but we're throwing the match in there. So we need to own that. We'll be back in just a minute. And we're back and as promised, we are celebrating National Sibling Day, which was Monday, April 10th, so I guess I'm a little behind. And uh as I said at the start, I had to look up the word sibling to find out, make sure I knew what that meant. Uh so I have my sibling on the phone. I hope that it's going to work and I hope you'll be able to hear him. Right? You're there?
1: I'm still here. Okay, where where is here? I am in Winoka, Oklahoma.
0: Winoka, Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, so you up there at Little Sahara? Or are you up there for what are you doing?
1: Well, I am the pastor at the First Baptist Church here in Winoka, Oklahoma. And yes, it's about the only thing we're famous for. Okay. Well then Little Sahara Desert, yes. I, I
0: forgot that you were a preacher, so I may need to go back and edit some of the stuff that I've been talking about.
1: You probably uh, will.
0: Maybe that's will okay. A little too edgy. No. Actually, uh just been talking just about just some general things. Uh, and like I said, it in all reality, you and I are probably talking to Maybe our wives who will listen. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, our mother will
1: listen. Yes, she which would, is dangerous.
0: Yeah, she would listen to us scream at the, you know, just whatever because she's really mm-hmm. supportive. Maybe our dad, our our dad will give us our most feedback. We know that.
1: Yes, we'll that. yes, yes. That, Positive or negative? Yes, that's correct. Outside of that, yes. I'm not
0: sure who else will actually listen. So it may no,
1: be maybe no, but I do know that audio. that our mother will tell everyone in town to listen so if they don't listen it's not because they will not have heard it will just be a choice this is true this is yes yeah,
0: yeah. that's why you know she she's a really good hand when it comes to uh doing stuff like that so i don't know maybe you want to run for, We were. i was just talking political stuff you didn't get to hear all that but we were talking so maybe if you want to run for office someday
1: uh no really I, no I'm not, I'm not i'm not interested in that okay. no okay. i've seen that yeah. no.
0: Yeah, I, I described it as a dumpster <laughs> fire in the previous segment. So.
1: Anyway, so it's yeah.
0: National, National Sibling Day, and I really don't know what we're supposed to do. All that I noticed is that people on Twitter and stuff were putting a picture of their sibling. And I'll, I'll admit, I looked I looked around my house and stuff. I didn't find a picture of you and i together so i wasn't able to participate i don't know if that makes me a bad brother or
1: no not it's just you know it's just the way life goes man you're mm-hmm. doing your thing i'm doing my thing and mm-hmm. any pictures we have that we're together i'm sure are in a box at my mother's house ha- at our mother's house
0: absolutely yeah you can't say my mother's you gotta say our
1: yes yes i i caught myself you okay. caught that yeah, didn't you yeah.
0: well uh <clears throat> so maybe some people who might listen to this maybe i can get a couple of my friends listen to it um they don't know you so your background was in education i mean that's what that's what you were doing but then you made the trip because i did on a previous segment i was making mention about you know we get caught up a lot of times with all the stuff that's going on in the middle east you know the atrocities and things there but in reality there's a lot of this stuff that's happening in africa that we don't talk about and you actually lived in africa Mm -hmm. so
1: where were you at I lived in the country of Zimbabwe, which is on the southern tip of Africa. Uh, the problem with Africa, with people that might be listening, is most people think of Africa. I mean, excuse me, when they say Africa, they say it like it's a country.
0: Right. Yep.
1: But it's a continent, and it is humongous. Yes. And so the country of Zimbabwe is down near the very bottom. If you look at the bottom of Africa, that's the country of southern Africa, and right sitting right on top of that is a little teapot-shaped country. It looked looks kind of like a teapot, and it's the country of Zimbabwe. It used to be called Rhodesia yes. back when Cecil Rhodes uh, settled it with, with the British people. And okay. so that's where we lived for two years uh, there in Africa, and it is a little different than living in America.
0: Yeah, and one of the things, because uh, I didn't – this is going to shock you. I didn't really talk education. I didn't want to do the obvious thing first. Mm-hmm. Describe because I know you were down there, you know, teaching and whatever. Describe what you noticed about the education system in Zimbabwe and maybe the the opportunities for students in Zimbabwe. Because as you are aware, a lot of times people will compare American students and and you know whatever achievement to other countries and. Why is it sometimes problematic? So maybe if you can describe the school down there and, and the opportunity. For OK,
1: students. well, the school that I taught in excuse me, was uh, a private school, as uh, most of them are. Uh, they have public schools and private schools, but even for a public school, you have to pay tuition to go to. So every child in Zimbabwe do, does not go to school. Uh, only if you can afford it. A private school obviously is a little more expensive than what would be a public school. But with that compensation amount that they pay to go to school, the quality is, of education is directly relational to that difference. Sure. So the kids that go to a private school where they pay a lot more to go usually have a much better education uh, because there's not 70 kids in a classroom, which is what happens at a, at a public school. Uh, At a public school, the ones that I saw, you would have uh, one teacher with about 70 kids probably doing two or three different levels of kids at the same time. And there's no supplies. There's maybe a chalkboard. Uh, They might have uh, notebooks to write on with pens, uh, but they don't have textbooks really or anything like that. that They get to take home like our students do. And in 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 the private school that I taught at, it was much the same way uh they had lab equipment and things that we have here not nearly as sophisticated uh most of it is used and uh, coincidentally most of it is used and donated from people in the United States of America uh, to go over there for them but the school room you know it's just a regular classroom no air conditioning nothing like that and uh when a kid comes to go to school it's they're pretty much not uh well what's the word I'm the word I'm looking for they're there's a whole lot more discipline let me put it like that Mm -hmm. at a private school because they know that it's that it's a privilege kind of to be there and if you have trouble with them at school you just they just send them home they just say we're not we don't have time there's 40 of you in here as it is we don't have time to deal with all these little bitty skirmishes and these little discipline problems so so mom and dad come up there and complain and mom and dad come up there and complain and then they say well you know these are the rules and so your kid's just gonna go home. And they just they just shipped them home is what they did. Then usually the parents didn't come complain because the thing that uh, was different about the school I taught in is the kids didn't live from around there. They they bussed in. So when I say bussed in, I mean, they would get on like a, what you would call a Greyhound bus and they would ride a bus six hours and then they lived at the school. Oh, so when they went home, they wow. went home. Yeah, it was right. a it was a boarding school kind of a situation so yeah, uh but
0: i just want to in case people hear this beep beep noise because i can hear it in my ear that's someone
1: trying no, I don't to call it. me
0: so oh, okay. note to self second episode i can't put it <laughs> on airplane mode because then i couldn't call you yes so, i have In the very first episode, I have reached a situation that I do not know how to address, other than to send a mass text out to everybody say, leave me alone for the next. This goes back to something I said earlier, too. Earlier on, I was saying the thing that I hated about cell phones is we're always available. Yeah. A prime example. I'm trying to have a conversation with you and celebrate National Sibling Day, and someone's trying to call me.
1: Trying to In call you interrupt. with something that it's they so just got to know. but I
0: did not answer it because that was one of my airing of grievances earlier. I did not answer it. you see that would have been rude <laughs> so I'm leading by example there um, you go. so one thing I would, and you may not know an exact percentage, but I think you can mm-hmm. you're going to get a whole lot closer than I could. What percentage would you guess of Zimbabwe children have the opportunity, let's say to go to higher than ninth grade?
1: Well, I, let me put it like this. Uh, probably about only about 60% of the kids go to school, period. Once you get past level six, which is about the sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, you have to take a test. If you don't get in the top 20% of your class, you don't get to keep going to school. So only the top wow. 20% of that 60% get to go.
0: That's a high state you...
1: test there. So it, if you don't do well, yes, it is. you're done. Yeah, it is. It's over. And then if you go on to your upper classes, level three, four, five, and six class. The classes, they, when I said six, I meant like the sixth grade, which, so, which is like level one and level two. Uh, so you go up to th- level three and four, then you take another test, and only like 20% of those kids get to continue to go to school. Wow. When you get to level six, upper six levels, you take another test, and only 10% of those kids get to go on to university. Okay. So you've so, gone sixty percent. You cut that into twenty percent. So that's you know basically twelve percent of the population. Yeah, you're a math guy. You've I'm
0: counting you to get this. Yeah, okay.
1: you cut that down into next twenty percent, which is two point four percent of the population. Then you take two per, then you take ten uh, percent of those kids. So you got like 024 percent of the population gets to go to university. Wow. Everybody doesn't get to go to university. Right. Because and, and, they and, and, and just don't know. have the ability to get that done. And, that, you know, monetarily they can't do it.
0: That's something that's lost by a lot of, and I don't, and, and and I hope people understand. I'm not trying to use it as an excuse to say, well, you know, when they say American students aren't performing well, but I I, I want to just try to pr- provide some perspective. Number one, thank goodness, if you live in the United States, if you live in a country that at least is saying that every student has the right to an education, you know, up through the twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, and we live in a country that provides, you know, a vocational training system or a higher ed system that at least is trying to open the door to people who want to go to do so. Now, I could spend a whole podcast on the, um, on how I think the student loan program is a massive scheme and ripoff, but that's for a whole nother day. But yeah. but when we're talking about comparing students, I mean, you're just sitting there saying, in some cases, we might be comparing, you know, the United States students, which is going to be ninety something percent of them that are in high school, probably more than that. To 0.24. I mean, so you're comparing the best of the best of the best of the best from Zimbabwe to all of the students in the United States,
1: right? Yes, and and, and there's another difference as well. Um, it is highly competitive, sure, in the high school because they know that if they can get an education, a university education, or by that for that matter, if they can just get to where they've had upper three and upper four level classes because it's such a small percentage of the people uh, that opens up numerous doors for them because most of the, most of the population is not educated. For example, let me give you this for an example. <clears throat> when I went over there, um, some computers were donated to the school. Yeah, I remember, you, uh, I remember
0: from, getting to see the pictures of those.
1: Yes. <laughs> hornets and things inside yeah. them. And I read, and, me myself and my oldest son rebuilt a bunch of those computers and what we did was basically teach word processing and uh spreadsheet information how to just data inputs just how to put words on a paper Stuff and that then I how to input
0: mr bortel back in 1986 on those green apple 2
1: yes and by the way these were uh, windows 3.1 computers they still had the floppy disks wow. and everything. That's what was donated to this school. So this is the technology we're dealing with. Gotcha. And so there aren't very many programs that we could get to get that to make that happen. So we're dealing with inf- what we would call in America inferior technology, and that's important to understand. Right. It we call it inferior technology, but it was the best that that was within 200 miles of where we were. Wow. And so we taught kids how to data input. And those kids that took that, they were so thrilled to be able to do that because they knew that meant they could go back to the city and they would have a leg up on everybody else because no one else has a computer. Right. And so <clears throat> they were able to do that, just that one little bitty thing that our kids are learning in kindergarten here. Right. They did not have the opportunity until they got to upper six classes because we waited. We if If we would have opened it to everybody, I mean, my goodness, we would have had – that's all I would have ever done was do that i wouldn't be able to teach math and so we offered it just to about 30 kids and man they would come from eight o'clock at night until 10 o'clock at night two days a week and just sit there and you could not hear a sound other than them typing and do it because they knew this is how big of a deal this is they would bring it it was it was just an incredible thing so we take a lot of things for granted absolutely you know we got people complaining because we don't have ipods in every ipads in every class and every kid's hand And yet, we do not understand exactly how how blessed we are, how good we have it here to just to allow people to go to school. Period.
0: Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that, uh, if you know that that you get some value besides the spiritual aspect of it and all of that, and trying to further the kingdom when you go on mission trips. But again, because I'm a big person, I always talk about perspective. And and uh, when you can get young people to go see. You know, because we've taken uh, mission groups and we've taken them to all these different countries and they get to, you know, we get to one where we go to Ecuador and you get to see that there's children living at the dump. And it's not that you just come back and you feel guilty because you're blessed, but perspective is really important. And I think that's something that's missing a lot of time in these conversations is, yes, we have these challenges in, in the United States. And if we're going to talk specifically about the education system, yes, we have these challenges. We have these budget challenges and all these things but let's not lose sight of the fact that we are truly blessed mm-hmm. and, and uh, we have it way better than the vast majority of the world. And and, and I think it's just sometimes we, we have to be careful about our, our whining and complaining because, you know, we have it so good.
1: And, and Yes. Good. So. Yeah. We took, I took some kids <clears throat> two years ago to Ethiopia. Um, we rebuilt, we built a, this <laughs> sounds kind of funny, but, Funny, Boy, when man. I say funny, I don't mean humorous. I yeah. mean funny as in, oh, that's that's weird you would do that. We built a playground in a prison Right. because the mothers in Ethiopia, when they get convicted, they have to take their children with them to prison because there's no place for them to go. So we built a playground there, and one thing when people come back from that, they one thing I hear is I never realized how blessed I was just to be born to the people that I was born to in the place where I was born, because that is nothing that we can control. Absolutely. It's nothing we can do to earn or say, Hey, we should be able to be, bo-. it was just Providence. Yes. And so when they come home, they I'd never realized how lucky I was just to be born in Oklahoma, just, right. just period just to be born here because just being born here opened up so many more doors than most 75% of the rest of the world ever think about having. Right. Uh, just just from location, just where we were born, and so that that's a good perspective for people sure. uh, to to grab a hold of, and that's why I encourage anybody if they get a chance to get outside of the borders of the United States of America and do something where you're helping other people, meeting them where they are. Uh, not going to Starbucks in Munich, Germany. That's I don't right. consider that. But getting out there in the streets and seeing people where they are, it will give you a whole different perspective about you know when you come here and you say, oh well, you know this is against me and that's against me and I can't. Have, well, if you go see what people are living through, you'll understand what how blessed you are.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, I, I just texted you this morning. Told you you are going to be on the rundown. That's fancy talk for the list of things that I'm going to do. Uh, but I, I don't want to let you leave without giving you an opportunity to have two shameless plugs. The first one's a shameless plug. The second one's important. So the first one, when's the next time that your group is going to be
1: performing and where? Uh Summer Breeze, the group I've seen with, is going to be performing uh, for a public performance that people could go to. Is going to be Saturday uh, not this coming saturday so that'll be the 15th the uh, 29th of april at the apache casino which i know i know you're a preacher and you're singing at the casino okay whatever it's a it's a venue gotcha. so we're going to be performing there you can go to the apache casino online i think it starts at eight o'clock tickets are reasonable uh, so we're going to be singing there and uh, it's a lot of fun it, it's Good music with a bunch of guys. The other guys carry me. They can all play really well, and we all sing. So it's it's yeah. a lot of fun.
0: That happens to be your nephew's birthday too.
1: That then I should see him there then, so we can point him out in Paul the crowd him
0: and tell him he needs to be there. Okay, and, and this isn't a shameless plug, but I'm assuming on Sunday, y'all are yes. doing an Easter service. Yes. So what time is that? And do you have in Big Winoka,
1: any? Oklahoma? The Big Easter Winoka. service starts at eleven o'clock. And if someone comes to our Easter service, they don't have to worry about being ridiculed for being here on Easter. We're going to have a normal Sunday. We're not going to have anybody walk down the aisle with a cross hanging off their back. We're just going to have a good (laughs) celebration Sunday because if we can't get excited about Easter and Jesus coming up out of the grave, then we just can't get excited about anything.
0: I think that's exactly right. Well, I appreciate (laughs) you uh, letting me put you on this podcast. We'll see how it is. And if you get a lot of negative feedback, just blame me.
1: Oh, oh, that's what I usually do, so I know, that'll I'm work. Used to it. <laughs> all right. Happy na- uh, National
0: Siblings Day.
1: Yeah, same to you, man. Love you. All
0: right, love you too. See ya All right. Thank you for listening to Holland House Radio. This is Corey Holland's first episode. You can follow us on iTunes, on the podcast app on your iPhone, or if you have an Android, you can follow us on Stitcher, just by subscribing and creating an account. Search Holland House Radio, all separate words, to follow us. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Next week, next month, we don't know, but soon. And this has been Holland House Radio.